Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management uh, radio show in the United States, and we're broadcasting to you today from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour or so, we'll be talking project management. Apologize for the technical challenges there at the beginning of the show. Modern technology, stuff happens, right? Uh, but we are live today, and I certainly encourage everybody who's listening to us live uh, to let us know where you're located. Uh, drop into the chat, add your comments in, let us know where you're joining from, and then throughout the show, if you have any questions for Bruno, certainly uh, drop those questions into the comment section as well. Uh, before we get started in, just wanted to make a couple of announcements as we normally do. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to the PMO leader community. They had invited myself uh, to be a panelist along with Laura Bernard and Americo Pinto uh, for the kickoff of the Digital Transformations webinar series. If you missed that show, it's now available out on the PMO leader YouTube channel, which we have listed there. So I encourage you all to go out and take a look at that. It was a good time. Uh, first time Americo, Laura, and I ever got together on the same stage to chat through uh, a really fun discussion about digital transformation. Also, a friend of mine had sent over an email this week. Some, you know, sometimes you take things for granted uh, and you forget about them. And she, in her email, she said, I love this binge-worthy page on your website. And it's the, it's the page where the podcast is listed. PDUs just for watching amazing content for free. That's a great deal. And I never think about that, right? Because I'm always doing the show. So I never think about using the show for PDUs. Uh, but we're up to, this is show number 98. So we have 98 hours worth of information on our industry that you can claim PDU for. So if you're approaching certification time or you're just interested in, you know, putting in your PDUs early, go out to the site, listen to some shows. And glad to see everybody. We got Switzerland, Czech Republic, UK, California, New Jersey. Great to have so many people uh, joining us from all over the world. That's what I love about this show. Yeah, Spain just joining as well. Certainly also want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, the PMO Squad and the PMO Leader. Without them, right, this is impossible. Uh, they help cover the cost for everything. And if you need project management assistance, whether it's setting up a PMO, uh, getting project management resources, or perhaps building out your processes and, and tools better, go out and visit the PMO Squad website. Anything PMO related or project management related, we're there to be able to support and help you. Uh, we are now live streaming on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, over the internet radio. We are coming to you live with our special guest. Um, so we're here to interact with you. As I mentioned, let us know where you're joining us from and also let us know any questions you have or comments during the discussion. So with that, I'm very excited uh, to have Bruno Morgante 
joining us from Germany. Welcome, Bruno. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, everyone. I'm happy to be here and happy to went through the technical issues at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun to be live. That's the beauty of our show. It is. Right? We, uh, it is. The recorded podcasts are great. You can cover all your mistakes when you're live. We, we give it our best shot and hopefully it works out okay. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, Bruno, if you could take a moment just to say hello to everybody and let us know uh, a little bit about yourself. I think you're you're calling in from Berlin, Germany, I believe, right? Correct. Yes. Uh, just take a moment. Say hello to everyone. Yeah. Uh, so hello, everyone. Uh, I used to introduce myself with uh, I solve problems and deliver results. And it is actually something that I'm doing uh, since quite a while, quite a long time. Uh, both professionally and, and in the personal life. Uh, so my name is Bruno Morgante, and I am Italian from Milano, but uh, I am living in, uh, in beautiful Berlin, Germany, since uh, eight years and a half now. And, um, and yeah, it's uh, 7, 12 here, 7 p.m., so it's quite dark, dinner time. But uh, yeah, excited to be, to be here be here with all of you and to have a, a nice inter entertaining conversation today joe yeah thank you so much i know uh, whenever we have our european guests on they're joining us usually in their evening hours so certainly appreciate that you're taking time away from your family and and also sharing uh, your european background right i mean uh, from <laughs> italy now in germany wife from poland i mean you're just the yeah. blending of all the great things that europe has to offer uh, with the connection of the, the different countries and how close you all are over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's jump into <clears> some <throat> good project management talk. And, you know, one thing I'm always fascinated by uh, when I talk with all of our different guests is how you get, how everybody gets started in project management, right? All of us, you got the, the gray in your beard. Mine's not as long, but plenty of gray in mine as well. There, there wasn't project management at a university when we were there, right? You couldn't take coursework in that. So how do you start? What was the beginning of your journey? Yeah, it's a, and it's a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful question. I love to start with this one. It was in the year 2005, kind of, when, uh, when, I, when I started. I joined uh, just fresh after the university, a multinational company. It was, it's a manufacturing company, French manufacturing company, Alstom. And I joined in their IT department as a starter, a stagiaire, uh, intern, doing particularly business analyst, uh, business analysis. And it was basically translating business needs into IT, uh, IT uh, actionable things. And I did it for about six months, more or less, up to a point in which uh, my manager at that time uh, told me, you know what, Bruno, I, I believe you're going to be a great project manager. And that, and that moment, he saw in me something like be, me being uh, always planning things, being accurate, uh, being uh, very precise, detail-oriented, focus on delivering. Uh, and these are the aspects that he saw in me and that he said, you will be a good pr project manager. But the, the funny thing is that until that moment, the only example of project managers I, I saw around me, it was uh, not, not a very good example of PMs. It was the type of, uh, <laughs> the type of, uh, of uh, PMs that uh, 
are approaching, uh, uh, they were externals and they were approaching the customer, which were us, with uh, the, the type of approach as uh, I, I come in, I design a plan, I assign the tasks, I tell you what to do, and I come back in a week just to see if the things are moving. Mm-hmm. And, and th- so that was, uh, in my eyes back then, the, what the project manager was doing. To which I said to my, to my, to my boss back then, no, not at all. <laughs> I don't want to be one of them. And, uh, and we had, we had a, good, um, uh, a good laugh and a good conversation. But then, of course, he started assigning me to uh, small uh, uh, tasks. They were, you know, work packages within projects. Later on, it became little projects. So I started the typical career. So it was small things and small projects bigger projects, then it started to be uh, to enter into the world of the program management. So it was programs, then bigger programs up until uh, the typical, you know, multi-million dollar programs. And, um, and that was my, my career. So I technically all the almost 17 years uh, in the corporate world, I spent them uh, in uh, in project management, except the first six months, I would say. <laughs> and, and what what did you go to university before you started in your career? I I did uh, engineering. I studied engineering of telecommunications, but uh, but again, also here there is a funny a funny thing. It's uh, I was when I was still in high school with. Uh, a group of friends uh, of, of the high school, we decided to go to university. It was about four or five of us. And uh, we had in mind this idea of we need to take the piece of paper. So that, that was what we had in mind as a, as a high school uh, student, again, back then. Yeah. And uh, during the university years, I was uh, in parallel. I had my, my, my thing with uh, who was at that time my best friend. Now we don't really talk too much to each other, but we're still in contact. <laughs> and uh, and we, we were doing our thing, which was organizing concerts. Mm. So uh, that was a parallel stream, which I also had in my first couple of years uh, while I was working in, in Alston. Uh, so when I, while I started in project management, but that was already ongoing. University, yes, it was engineering of telecommunications, Politecnico di Milano, so which is my city. I was born there, grown up there, raised there, and studied there, and that was it for quite a few years in my life, I would say. So it, when when we had met, uh, I guess a month, a couple months back, or whatever, we talked about this. But I, I'm uh, originally from New York, and in New York, we love pizza. Certainly, we probably don't love pizza as much as the the people in Italy. Uh, but I said. How could you be from Italy living in Germany? I can't imagine there's good pizza in Germany. But you said you, you've actually found some good pizza in Germany as well. Yeah, I have to say in, in Berlin in particular. Berlin is uh, Berlin is not Germany. Berlin is Berlin. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Berlin is, uh, you really find, find uh, it's, a, it's a really multi-ethnic uh, and multicultural city. And... Uh, and in the past few years, the things are changed. I have to say, when we moved here about uh, yeah, eight and a half years ago, it was different. It was not so easy to find uh, a good pizza place. Right now, there are so many, and, and some of them are really good, really good. <laughs> they, they, they would be successful back in Italy, absolutely. Okay. They are, of course, run and managed by Italians, most of them from Napoli. So they do the, 
pizza, uh, Napoli style pizza. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which uh, which which is a thing, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I've, I have a, a wood-fired pizza oven in my backyard, so I, I'm certainly not an expert, but I try to be. I pretend one at <laughs> home at least. And and nice to see again. We've uh, just some additional users coming in from Costa Rica, from France, more from the UK. I mean, it's great. We're getting people all over the world. So thank you so much for joining in. Another thing you mentioned when we talked about university was again you went for engineering and telecom, right? It wasn't that, and you you touched on concerts. So many of us in the project management space start in a different career and somebody else sees in us, hey, you would be a good project manager because we kind of just have those qualities innate to us, right? We like to be organized. We like to lead people. We like to have good communication. Tell us about the concert experience. I mean, I love music as well. I, I have a a little thing I've done on a high voltage project management where I utilize ACDC sing songs to, to talk about uh, our profession. What was concert organizing like for you and, and how did your project management skills come in handy with that? Oh yeah, that, that, that's a beautiful story. It will take a, a, a few minutes. Right? Hey, it's not something in, uh, of, that's of what we're minutes. here for, right? This is beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, um, how did the, uh, this uh, started. Mm, we were, uh, yeah, in, in our around 18, 19 uh, uh, years old. Actually, probably a little bit, a little bit earlier. And um, we saw something happening in Milano, in our city. Then later on, we discovered that it was a thing everywhere in Italy, and actually in most of the cities. What we have observed, me and my friend, um, is that on one side we had so many uh, bands, music bands, that they were playing. They, the only thing that they wanted to do, it was to play their music, whatever music they were doing. They just wanted to play their music in front of an audience, in front of a public. On the other side, um, back then in Milano, I, I don't know if it is still the same, but I assume it is, most of the clubs were full only on Friday night and Saturday night. All the other evenings during the week, they were empty. Yeah. Sometimes they were even keeping the, the place closed because there was no reason to keep it open. Um, so we said, we, we thought about it and said, what if we try to put the two things together? We try to and organize somehow the fact that there is all this group of, of bands that they, they just want to play their music and we potentially have the possibility to do it in uh, in several clubs. So we started we started with nothing except this idea. Yeah. It was just an idea, and it was uh, the two of us, me and my friend, and um, and this is how we we started. We got in touch with uh, a couple of clubs at the beginning, small clubs, of course, and uh, and we proposed the idea, and they said, yeah, that that's fine. Just ensure that you bring people. In, in the place, it's uh, it's uh, we need the place. We need, and they were giving us a certain threshold to 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 meet. To meet. And then speaking with uh, trying to to find the bands, we started with a few bands, and then it was uh, uh, a bit more and a bit more, and uh, and we were able to to make it work. We started, as I said, like that, and uh, slowly we ended up uh, growing and growing. We ended up having. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of bands, any type of music from uh, 
the 15 years old kids playing uh, uh, pop rock, uh, only cover uh, rock songs, up until the 40 plus years old, uh, basically professionists, uh, great musicians that were doing any type of uh, uh, particular new age uh, music, everything in the middle. <laughs> so there was really, really everything. Of course, it was up to us to organize uh, evenings with the same uh, uh, or similar bands, because of course we wanted the public to enjoy the same type of music and not to switch from I don't know pop rock to black metal and and uh, and then go to I don't know back back to something else. So we started like that. With we started with a few evenings only, like one evening a week, not even one a week. It was maybe one every two three weeks. But then it started to be more and more. We had more bands, we had more clubs, uh, bigger clubs. We started having, uh, you know, the Monday evening that nobody wants to go out Monday evening. <laughs> then they were give because we were good. They were giving us the Tuesday, then the Wednesday, then it was the Thursday. Then we started having the Sundays, and then it was again with the. Sometimes we also got Fridays and Saturdays. It was uh, it was a thing. Up until a point in which we said, okay, we need to expand. Milano was working, we were doing pretty well in Milano. And it was only the two of us doing everything, getting in touch with the bands, finding the bands online, in the in the in the in, in the clubs, uh, in the schools, uh, finding the clubs, proposing our our deal with them. And then we Decided to expand. We decided to then uh, find someone in other cities that could do the same with the same idea, with the same brand, and doing it in in the other cities. We extended it in uh, Roma, uh, then in uh, Bologna and Torino. So these were the four cities that we had in the end. And of course, together with expanding, we also decided to do something more. We decided then to do. Uh, a national contest. Oh, wow. uh, so we were organizing and, and having the, the bands playing in their cities, going through uh, the stages, and then to have uh, the, the, the city, the, the winner of the city, and then all of them to join, to come in Milano and play the final, the final evening. Oh, nice. And the, con the contest was a thing. The, the contest was uh, really the next step. It was, uh, uh, it was more... People loved it. Bands loved it. There was competition. There was, uh, you could see it. It was really, it was really a thing. And, uh, and yeah, so it was, it was a great experience, I have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, uh, it's fantastic. It makes me think of, for us who didn't grow up in Italy, um, I love the Foo Fighters, one of my favorite bands. And geez, it's several years back now, but there was the uh, thousand, <clears throat> Uh, musicians coming together over in Italy, trying to convince the Foo Fighters to come play a concert yes. in their small town. And, uh, yes, yes. That's in in Cesena, I think yeah. it was. I think it was in Cesena. Yeah, that's right. And and the beauty of that, the power of music. The Foo Fighters went there and played a concert. Right, that was that's fantastic. <laughs> so maybe the uh, organizer of that. I've I've actually tried to invite him to come on the show. So if he's out there listening somewhere, I'd love to talk to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> who helped organize that concert. Cause to me, that's project management, right? Organizing a thousand musicians to play one song with a stated outcome to be able to get the Foo Fighters to come. So you had the scope, 
you had the change management, you had the execution, and you had benefits realization all wrapped up in one. What an amazing project story to tell. And it's the same for you, right? Organize your project. What did you take away from all of that experience to bring into your project management career? Yeah, a lot. Uh, A lot. uh, But if I have to nail it down to two things in particular, one of them is clearly communication. Is the ability to communicate, uh, which is not to say what you want to say, but to ensure that the other person understands what you want to say. The ability to communicate effectively uh, with the different type of stakeholders. For us, uh, every 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 day, not only when we had the events, but every day we had to speak with uh, the bands. We had to communicate with uh, the the clubs, and uh, we had to communicate with the public, which was around about 80 to 100, 120 people every evening. And you had people from all ages, uh, different backgrounds. Uh, We had to speak with uh, the technicians in the club. It would be the music uh, staff. It would be the people at the bar or uh, at the um, serving the food. We had to handle all of that. And if 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 we would not have been able to communicate clearly, that would not have been possible at all. Uh, so definitely communication is, uh, is one of the two big things that I, I, I took away from, uh, from that place. And you know it in project management, you definitely need to communicate with different stakeholders at every level. And yeah. the, you know, you have like the, the, the type of uh, executive that is telling you, you have only two minutes of my time, convince me. Convince me that this 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 is the right thing to do in this project, uh, or you have the the member in the project team, the one that needs to be inspired, the one that needs to be uh, uh, you know convinced that uh, it is actually the right thing to do and not the other way around. So, communication absolutely it's one thing. The the other one is uh, the, neg- the 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 negotiation skills uh, the. Negotiation skills, it is something I didn't know I had within me when I started this. But it is something that we quickly had to uh, develop. When you are in your uh, early 20s, which was our uh, our age back then, and uh, you deal with uh, the owners or the managers of those clubs, it's not easy. Yeah. And and the managers of of those clubs they are a particular type of of people everywhere in the world not only in italy i can tell you so you can imagine that for us in some cases it, it was uh, uh, easier than others in some cases it was extremely tough extremely difficult and negotiating with them because of course they 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 wanted this this to happen but they wanted the best for them not for us and we had to get the best not only for us but also for our bands and for the public that was coming and and attending the event so it was uh, it was uh, it was tricky uh, it was it was it was tough sometimes but then again you can imagine that years later when i was uh, i remember when i was uh, you know growing in my corporate career 
when I was going through some of the interview stages. And it was like, oh, now I have to uh, have an interview with the vice president. And for some of my peers, it was like, yeah, well, that, that's a thing. That that guy is a tough guy. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, I've been, I've been, I, I've done, I've done something more. Yeah. He's <laughs> so, not a club owner, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a. Uh, that these were definitely the two the two big things: communication skills, effective communication, and on the other side, negotiation skills. These are the two things that I took out uh, as a biggest learnings, and that I definitely have been able to apply during all my career. Yeah, from the beginning up until now, they are still with me. Yeah, those are obviously super powerful for for good project managers. I'm I'm gonna take a risk right now and ask what the sign next to you says. I th- it, I'm getting I can read part of the sign, but but uh, let me, let's let's take a leap of faith and see what this says. It says "Get it done," but before the it uh, there is a uh, a grade uh, S and a grade H. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So why, why so close? What's the inspiration behind that to have that a reminder there for you all the time? This is something that I decided to put here during uh, during the beginning of the pandemic. At the beginning of 2020, we all started working from home. Like everyone, I started saying, okay, yeah, it will be a couple of weeks. And then when we realized that it was longer, I had to set up my my place which is a corner of my bedroom it's not it's not it's not my place huh? it's a corner of my bedroom so i had some very very particular constraints that i had to follow my wife is a designer so you can imagine i could not just do bad stuff and i absolutely wanted to have something next to me which i knew it was going into the into the into the video and something that would represent me. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I get things done. Uh, I said, this is perfect. So it's not actually a motivational poster for me, but it's uh, it's me. <laughs> yeah, I love it. it when we were live radio, I would never worry about uh, saying what it says, but uh, being live on LinkedIn, I don't know if they have filters on there of, of listening to what content's being produced, but... I believe, uh, I believe that's the, as project managers, that's our whole purpose, right? I mean, it's to accomplish stuff. It's to get stuff done. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah. great to see that that's, uh, up there next to you as a reminder every day of who you are and <laughs> yes. at the core. Yes. And, and it's, and it's a good thing. If I, if I may say, if there are project managers listening to us, when I interview a project manager, this is what I want to perceive. This is what I want to get from them. It's like, why you do what you do? It's because you want to get things done. You want to get things delivered. That's the point. The rest makes sense. It's helpful, but it's about getting things done. The, our next show, we're going to have Ben Peters joining us from South Africa, uh, Cape Town. And I chatted with him yesterday and we were just reminiscing about uh, early career stories that helped shaped us. And, and I won't share his story because he'll, he'll do it in the next show, but there's a get shit done story that that's in, instrumental in his career as well. So I think the successful people realize that early, right? It, mm-hmm. It's, it's so important to accomplish something, not just do something. Um, and it's, uh, again, for those who are listening, 
uh, and if you're early in your careers or even late in your career, if you, if you don't have that mindset as a project manager, we strongly encourage that to happen. So Bruno, you shared with us the, the beginnings of project management and the career growth that you had, but eventually you get to PMO leadership, right? What's, how is being a PMO leader different than being a project manager? Yeah, it is different, really. A lot different. Uh, for me, the transition was uh, happening about uh, six uh, years ago, kind of six years ago. Immediately, I realized that I, had, uh, I was transforming from being an individual contributor that has to get things done, get things done, into someone who is responsible for the people who are responsible for getting things done. Like there was not training about that in my company. It was like the typical thing like, okay, you have the opportunity. We think you are the right one. Um, I got the, I got the position and then it was about, yeah, make it happen <laughs> yeah, yet again. Um, but uh, definitely the main difference it is, uh, um, uh, you, and this happens to a lot of people, you might be, uh, getting a promotion, uh, into a manager position because you are one of the best, maybe, maybe the best, maybe not the best. I was, I, I don't think I was the best. Yeah, maybe I was the best. I don't think I was the best PM in my team, it, <laughs> but it was, I, I was one of the good ones. And we were a, 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 a great team, a bunch of, you know, all alpha men and alpha women, a, a, an, an army of delivery machines. It was amazing. The best pool of project managers I have ever worked with up until now. So when I got that, uh, I couldn't play my role anymore. It was not me. It was not my show. It was their show. And I had to make it happen. And that switch, that mental switch, it is, uh, it is what I believe it changed everything. When you move in from an a individual contributor position into a, a leader position, in a team leader position, it is what changed everything. In particular, if you, if you look at it from... Uh, as a as a PMO lead, um, the the scope was definitely bigger. As a project manager, it was that that's my project. I just have to take it, nail down the scope, and ensure that I deliver that one on time and on and on cost. Well, as a PMO, it is different. It is bigger. The you need to understand what does the organization need from you as uh, from that particular PMO, and then you need to start uh, implementing it, start uh, listening to all the people around you. It's not only the pool of project managers. It is different. It is more. Uh, there are controllers. There is the governance uh, piece, the methodology piece, uh, the portfolio management, uh, the interaction with the, the strategic side of the organization. It is much more. It's not just about taking something and, and delivering it. It, it, is, it is bigger. And for me, as I said, I was was about six years ago, and it was a, a journey, the beginning of a journey, and uh, and it is still continuing, still ongoing. Yeah, if we think back to your your story of the music industry, right? Uh, all the members of the band or the individual contributors are kind of like the project managers, but they need a manager, right? They they be able to go book their shows and ensure that they're getting treated fairly and that they're playing the type of music that the club wants and understand the audience, right? Because I like to use non-project management terms for people because 
the bosses of the organization, they're not project managers, right? They're, they're business mm-hmm. leaders. And if we speak their language, usually we can be more effective. If we try to talk to them in our language, as you mentioned previously, right? Communication is so important to understand the audience. So I, I like to always think that way. And, and, uh, it's fresh in mind about the the musical component. So I would imagine a lot of what you learned doing your concert organization really helps you build PMOs better, right? Because you understand how to be able to meet your stakeholders, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I briefly mentioned, you need to understand what a successful PMO is for the that particular organization. And there is no secret recipe that you can apply in all companies. Uh, it depends what the comp- you know, the level of maturity of the company, what the company needs, the industry, the business uh, in which the company, the company is. So one side is about, yeah, definitely listening to what the uh, organization needs and, and do the step, you know, and do more and do the, the, the additional piece, the piece, the additional piece that they couldn't see. Uh, for me, it was, uh, when I, when I took that PMO, it was a transformation period in the company. The PMO that was previously in place, it was doing pretty good. It was doing what that organization wanted in that PMO, which was the typical old style uh, control governance and controlling uh, PMO. Uh, that was what that organization needed because before that was not in place. And so they wanted, you know, the, the typical first step. We want all project managers to use the same methodology, the same templates, reporting in the same way, speaking the same language, working the same way. We want to have a consolidated reporting, uh, a consolidated uh, financial uh, view, and and so on. When I took over that uh, that PMO in that transformation period, uh, which was particularly challenging from a financial uh, uh, point as well, I had to. I had to understand what did we have to do different. And for sure, I could see everyone around me in all teams, in all functions, was uh, talking about, you know, speaking about doing more with less, <laughs> doing more with less money, with less time, with less people, and anyway, do more. So I had to work, start working with the team and understand how could we move to the next level and not just keeping the situation as it was, but bringing it to to that other stage. And that is what basically we went through. It was about uh, uh, improving what we had, simplifying our processes, reducing documentations. I remember in one year we reduced the the typical, you know, PMO documentation from something like, I don't know, 120 documents uh, up to 40 something. And it was like the biggest achievement uh, ever. <laughs> it's, but, uh, and you know, you, this, but this requires you to think, uh, to think out of the box, to think about, okay, we are doing well. The company is happy with us, but we can do more. We can do something that, uh, is actually adding value to the organization. And at that moment for us, in that particular case, in that particular company, it was about improving, simplifying, uh, reducing waste, uh, reducing the the number of times people were saying, okay, I just need to fill this uh, 
form just for the sake of filling the form, just because it is written on a checklist, which is yet another document, which we might not. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. a movement yeah. towards value value addition as opposed to process. Yeah. And yeah. I, uh, we got a great question that came in from, uh, I hope I pronounce your name right, Pierre Palo from uh, the Czech Republic. And he's he's commenting how your experience works across industry, but how time, but oftentimes people within industry don't think that's possible. You may get a non-government organization or a charity uh, that wonders, hey, you're an IT project manager. How can you come over and do a project in our space? Or maybe you're uh, coming into the IT space. So do you think those skills are transferable across industries? And how do you convince those people that you may not have that specific industry experience, but your skills are transferable. Yeah. So the, the short answer is, uh, I believe they are transferable, and uh, and yes, I believe you can convince them, but it in sometimes it might not be uh, easy. One thing to do, it's always, uh, as you said, uh, uh, not long ago, Joe, it is to speak their language. Uh, what you do, like if if you if you do. Let's say that you do IT project management, and uh, and uh, all the projects that you have done across your career, they have something in common. If you go into a completely different reality uh, that is looking for project management experience, but not particularly in IT, and you only talk about IT, um, you only talk about that time in which uh, you had to set up two data rooms uh, uh, replicated in real time, one to another, they might say, yeah, but how this applies to me? While if you speak their language using the same the same examples, it definitely, it definitely like they, they can connect. They can say, okay, I see what you did there. I see this is exactly what I need here. Uh, the fact that, so communicating that in a proper way, it, it changed a lot. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. And I'd I'd add in again, using the, my non-project management speak to them, I'd say, listen, if I'm an, an electrician who primarily helps wire homes and I get asked to be an electrician who builds an arena, it's much larger in scale and it's a different municipal rules and regulations involved in a public place. But I'm an expert at being an electrician. And I'm going to bring that expertise to your industry to help your arena or your home be built better, be wired better. So I, I totally agree with you, Bruno. I think it's, it's speak their language. It's help them understand what we do and how that benefits them. Uh, and if, if I, if I can just to underline, I'm not saying it's easy. Huh? I'm not sure. saying That's right. it is easy. I'm not saying just speak their language and it, it will work. No, not at all. There are some companies that will, just say, if you don't have that particular experience, I don't even want to talk to you. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not doing it. For example, when I interview for people joining my, my reality, my PMO, I don't put that type of filters, but I actually, I do, I do exactly what I'm saying here. I want them to, to listen to them, to listen to them telling me their story in a way that they, they can convince me that they have what, uh, what I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I think with the PMO squad, we had an example. We had never worked in the semiconductor industry, and we were invited to, by a client to come in and help them improve project management. 
you know, we were starting from scratch. I, I didn't know anything about designing a chips and making chips and the process involved in the vendors. Uh, but by the end of our engagement, we had turned around that company's ability to deliver their projects on time because we brought to them a unique skill set. So we married those two skills and, and made sure that we provided value. So you're right. It's not easy, but collectively it, it actually can be more impactful, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing uh, that comes across, I think, pretty uh, apparent when you're speaking is, is your almost like a coaching demeanor. Uh, you have this very thoughtful way that you answer questions and, and present your answers. And I think that's probably a lot to do with the amount of mentoring that you do. And I know that's very important to you as well. Can you talk a little bit about mentoring and, and how important that is and what you're involved in with that? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. And I love it. I love the question and I love, and I love the topic. Mentoring is something I didn't particularly uh, look into uh, until a uh, few years ago. Like I, 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 I later on, I realized it is something that I have been doing and I have been getting as a mentee from, from mentors in my past without knowing that that was actually mentoring. I didn't, like I, I knew something special was happening, but I didn't know how that special thing was to be called. How it started with me, it was uh, kind of around the same time in which I started leading uh, a PMO, uh, so about six years ago, more or less. And there was a, a colleague of mine, um, she was a, a young manager herself uh, as well, and uh, an amazing person. And, and she, she approached me and she said, Bruno, I have a new starter in my team and she's struggling with a uh, uh, few uh, topics in particular being stakeholder management and being uh, strong on her position in front of others that were two or three levels above in the organization. She, she approached me and she said, I think she would definitely benefit from uh, your uh, support. Are you, are you willing to, to help? And I said, yeah, of course. And this is how it started. This is actually how my first uh, mentoring uh, experience uh, started. I started with this uh, mentee. We went on for about uh, nine months, more or less. It was our, our, uh, the duration of, uh, of that mentoring relationship, which later on we continued, uh, but definitely not in a, in a very structured way. And then after that one, I had another one, then I had another one, and then I started having uh, two mentees at the same time in parallel. And until that moment, all of this was happening face-to-face -face in reality or in a mix of face-to-face -face and over the phone. Like we were not using a video. It was mostly face-to-face -face. up until the beginning of the pandemic. Then that was when I decided that I absolutely wanted to give back much, much more back to society. I decided to carve out a lot of my free time to support people. And uh, well, for a while I tried to, I, I helped a, a group of volunteers building a coaching, a pro bono coaching platform, but that's another story. Then in parallel, I, st I, started, I started also doing much more mentoring, pro bono mentoring online on different platforms, of course, like the, the, the mentoring club being the biggest one, which is a, it's a nonprofit organization uh, based here in Berlin. 
but I did also through my university, Politecnico di Milano. They contacted me for being a mentor for some of the students. I did it last year and I just started a new session now. Uh, PMI in Poland chapter, uh, my project mentor, and uh, there are probably other two or three, but these are, I would say, the, the biggest, the biggest one. The, the, the mentoring experience is, uh, is something special. If you don't, if you have never uh, tried it before, it's, uh, it's difficult potentially to, 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 to understand the benefits, but having someone who has been there and uh, has gone through what you are going through or what you want to go through. And it, it is there to, to help you, to guide you through that journey. It is uh, a very, very uh, big added value for the mentee, but not only for the mentee. And this is where a lot of people, they think that the mentor doesn't get anything out of the relationship, which is wrong. The, you, you don't know how many times I get uh, incredibly good challenging questions from my mentees. And I'm like, ah, I never thought about that that way. And then I use it, I work on it. I, I use it as an opportunity to self-reflect on myself, on that particular topic and to prepare myself. So this relationship helps also the mentors. It's not only something that, uh, that, uh, that it's not only uh, beneficial for the mentees. And this, uh, it's something that, again, I didn't know it was the case up until I tried it myself on my skin. And it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I echo everything you just said uh, and applaud you for the time that you, you volunteered to be a mentor. The, um, you know, it's, it's how I approach these radio shows, to be honest with you. And for everybody who's listening or anybody who listens to the recordings, it's an hour conversation that you get with somebody that's been where you're going, right? It, it's, it's an opportunity for you to be able to listen to what they've done in their career. And so many times during these interviews or discussions, I, I sit there and say, man, I am so lucky to be able to be talking to this individual to share this, right? Because we are exchanging it. And so I really applaud you for, for volunteering your time and and again, encourage all of our listeners to go back and listen to old shows. The PDUs are great. You know, go get your PDUs, but go listen to the experiences that all of these guests have had and what you can learn from them, I think is really, really impactful to everybody. I know we're, we're getting short on time because of our, our technical challenges up front. So I apologize uh, to everybody for that. So Bruno, I'll just ask you, is there anything you know, kind of maybe last words or last thoughts that we didn't get to cover today that you'd like to share with the audience and see if there's, you know, who else we can impact out there with, with your experience and your wisdom. There is potentially so much more that we could have told to, but uh, yeah, within the hour, um, I think we, we said a lot, we touched a lot of good, uh, uh points. We definitely didn't cover, uh, the aspects of uh, implementing uh, uh, a PMO in different realities, that would have been probably a little bit more technical uh, than, uh, than that. Uh, it is definitely something that we might follow up in, uh, in, a, in a different, in another session. Um, but for the rest, uh, um, I, I, I believe it was, uh, uh, it was, uh, it was a good, uh, it was a good conversation. We touched a lot of good points. There is definitely much more, uh, for anyone listening, if you are interested, you can uh, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, is the best the best 
possible source. Uh, you have the then over there the link, and uh, yeah, we can we can follow up with uh, questions or or other topics. Yeah. Yeah, we will definitely look to have you either on uh, PMO Squad or PMO Leader. We'll bring you on and, and dig into the PMO uh, components. I know you've had a tremendous experience merging PMOs, separating PMOs, building PMOs, and I think those conversations are really valuable. Uh, unfortunately, again, with uh, the late start today, we ran out a little bit of a time. So I, I thank you for coming out, Bruno, and really appreciate all of your insights um, especially uh, the comments there at the end on, on mentoring. So thank you for that. And certainly thank you to our audience who joined from all over the world as well. A reminder that uh, these shows are live, of course, as we've proved at the beginning with our technical difficulties, uh, but we record them also, right? So you can go out to Project Management Office Hours uh, website and be able to capture all the past shows, right? Uh, to be able to capture everything. So also want to remind everybody that we've got a great lineup of guests coming up. I'm, I'm super excited for all the additional guests we have coming up the rest of the year. I had mentioned Ben Peters from South Africa, who's coming up on the next show. Uh, the show after that will be show 100. I can't believe we're, we're at 100 shows. It'll be on April 7th. Uh, we've got a couple of special guests joining us for that. Then we'll get Tim Creasy from ProSci, Louise Worsley from South Africa, Ricardo Martin from Spain, Sanjeev Augustine here in the U.S. Uh, we'll get Melissa McDonald, the smart PM. We have a guest scheduled for later this year, Maria Abdelina. And I don't know if Maria is going to be able to join us because she lives in Ukraine. Stay tuned for that one and, and just say our thoughts are with all of the folks in Ukraine um, and everybody that's listening. Hopefully you can send your positive thoughts and, and prayers over to them as well. Not trying to be political on the show because that's not who we are, but when you have a guest who's impacted by current world affairs, it's home, right? So uh, Maria is a great leader of a PMO over there, was one of the finalists for PMO of the year, one of the top four PMOs of the year with the PMO Global Alliance. So Maria, if you're listening, which I'm sure you're not, uh, we're thinking about you and all of your fellow country folks and rooting for you as you, you go through this invasion. Uh, again, reminder, all these shows are recorded and you are invited to go out there and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio or others. Thank you to our sponsors, of course, the PMO Squad and the PMO Leader. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.